is the Parenting for Faith podcast from BRF Ministries. Parenting for Faith exists to help you help the children and teens in your life to meet and know God. We do this through online events, courses and resources, and you can find out more at parentingforfaith.org. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name's Anna Hawkin and I'm joined today by Lucy Rycroft. Hello. <laughs> We're here together, which is really fun. You've heard both of our voices over this current season. We have been looking at all sorts of things. I hope you've enjoyed it. Different things that you come across, come up against as a Christian parent. And we're going to be talking today about preparing for a new sibling to come into your family. So a little bit of a warning. We sometimes do this, that um, that might be something that's sensitive or difficult or hard for you at the moment. If this isn't for you, just skip over this episode um, and we'd love to have you back next week. Uh, We are also going to be talking about miscarriage during this episode. So again, if that's something that wouldn't be helpful for you at the moment, uh, just just skip along and uh, there'll be plenty more for you. So Lucy, I'd love to hear a little bit about your family, particularly in this context of preparing for a new sibling. Yeah, so we've got four children. They've all just had their birthdays. So they are now 14, 12 and nine-year-old twins. So 14-year-old boy, 12-year-old girl and nine-year-old twin boys. Um, Our eldest two children are birth children. So we had the experience when our eldest was two of having another baby and doing it kind of the the traditional way. Um, And then when they were six and four, we adopted the twins at one. Um, So we've also added children to our family through adoption. So that's that's kind of how our family looks. That was eight years ago. Uh, So they're they're a little bit older now. Anna, (laughs) introduce your family because you have got some exciting news to share with us. I have, Uh, which is that our family are preparing for a new sibling right now. Uh, We are expecting a baby early in the new year. And so, yeah, that's part of the reason we wanted to have this conversation together. We wanted Lucy to talk about siblings joining by birth and by adoption. And uh, I'm very much in the middle of this at the moment. So uh, yeah, it's a a really exciting thing to be talking about. And we also thought it'd be a great opportunity to share with you guys some really exciting news, which is that Lucy is going to be the new Parenting for Faith Ministry lead. So as you might have guessed, I'll be having most of next year off. um, And I'm absolutely thrilled that Lucy is going to be taking over. So it'll be her voice you're hearing even more on the podcast and overseeing everything that we do at Parenting for Faith, all the courses, all the resources, and we have got so much coming up for 2024. We're releasing the Parenting for Teens course. We've got the Grandparenting for Faith book um, and lots, lots more. It's really exciting. And I'm really pleased that Lucy's going to be heading that up. Now you say all that in one sentence, it makes it sound like a huge amount. (laughs) Can I pull out? Is it too late? Uh, You absolutely cannot. No, you're committed. (laughs) We've recorded it on a podcast now, so... (laughs) It's live to the world. Well, I'm really excited. Um, yeah, it's a great opportunity to kind of hopefully uh, try and fill your your big shoes, Anna, for a few months while you have a nice time with your new baby. But it's a daunting responsibility as well. So any prayers are very much appreciated. Um, so, yeah, we're talking about new siblings today. And we wanted to cover birth and adoption because, um, well, because there are different ways that we can add to our families. So we hope that this conversation will be useful to you, however you have added or be planning to add to your family. Um, And I just wanted to start off, Anna, by asking you, like, how did you or how are you preparing for new siblings? You've done this, what is like your third time now adding a new sibling to the family. So can you just share a bit about 
how you have prepared or how you've done it in the past, how you're doing it now? Sure. I mean, as we always say at Parenting for Faith, there's no one right way to do things. You're the expert in your own kids. And I guess we've done it differently at different stages, um, depending on our kids' personalities and particularly their age, I think makes a big difference. So my children will be nearly nine, seven and three this time round. So the conversation is a little bit different with the older ones than with the younger ones. Um, it's a little bit about giving them responsibility, but also letting them just be kids. Um, whereas with my youngest, it's a lot more of kind of explaining what will happen and it's going to be the biggest shock to her world probably. <laughs> um, so actually the framing, she's not been through this before. So we're taking some inspiration and reading books and you know all those kind of things to just help her to understand what's going to happen and where she fits in that and where mummy and daddy and brother and sister are and where God is in all of that. And um, there's a video on our website called The Bedtime Routine. And Rachel Turner talks about some things that we can do at the bedtime routine. And basically, there are three things, connecting your child to you, connecting them to God, and then giving them a next step so that they can continue that journey and process themselves. And although it says it's about bedtime, I've actually used this in all sorts of different areas of life. I found it really helpful. And I'd say that's been really helpful framework for us in the preparing for a new sibling. So making sure that each of our children feel connected to us. And that's really just about having the time, you know, stopping the important thing that you're trying to get done to listen to their question or to talk to them about something or to share some news with them or help them be part of a process. Um, connecting them to God, very much facilitating them being part of praying for the baby and um, chat and catch about their feelings and what's going on and just facilitating their own relationship with God without being a high priest and getting in the way and doing it for them. Part of uh, stretching yourself between more children, and I'm sure you will know this, Lucy, <laughs> is um, actually it quite helpfully stops you being that middleman and jumping in mm. and saying, right, now is the time that you're going to relate to God and let me lead you through it step by step. You know, they've been doing this for years um, yeah. in different ways, and it's really encouraging them to step up and say, you know, your connection with God time, I'm here to support you, to facilitate you, to give ideas, to equip you. But more and more, you can take ownership for that and, um, yeah, and go for it. And then the kind of giving them the next steps has been, again, giving those ideas. So saying, you know, even with the toddler, uh, I'm leaving you in your cot now, but you and uh, you and God can keep chatting. Tell God what you're thinking about the new baby or something you'd like to ask for her or you know, whatever it might be. And with the older ones, it might be Bible notes or it might be giving them some tools to help them with a passage or something like that. But just an idea for a next step so that it's not, we've had some God time, like, hurrah, we finally managed it three minutes in the crazy <laughs> uh, <laughs> moment, but a little bit more of, uh, yeah, just giving them some ideas and leaving them to it, I think. Mm. And how do the Parenting for Faith key tools fit into this? Because we're always really keen to say that the key tools fit into every situation in parenting. So how how can we apply them here when we're preparing to add a new sibling to our families? You're so on brand, Lucy. It's almost like you've hung out with us. <laughs> uh, check me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really does become a way of life, doesn't it? I think I any situation, I think, okay, what are the key tools? How can I apply them? And yeah, this is no different. So framing is a really obvious one, really useful thing that you can use. So books talking about what it will be like when a new brother or sister comes along and um, things explaining how the baby's developing. So we've got... um 
I've got an app on my phone and the kids really enjoy it. It's become part of our Sunday. Sunday is like the day that the baby levels up a week. I know that's not how it actually works, but, um, <laughs> you know, that's become part of the discussion of, oh, how big is it now and what can it do and nice. all those kind of things. And, um, you know, a big part of framing is responding to questions. And I think we've really been inviting those and saying, feel free to ask about anything. And kids ask strange things, don't they? They asked the other day, does the baby have toenails? And I was like, I don't know, but we can Google that. We can look it up and we can talk to God about that. Um, And I think our context, I mentioned this briefly at the beginning, but we're, you know, welcoming this new baby in the context of recurrent miscarriage. So uh, we've had four miscarriages and the last two of those have been while these three children were, were all around. So they've been part of that and understood that. And I think part of the framing has been continuing the conversation and some of the framing of how we did that, which was, you know, this is really sad, but it's really, really complicated and difficult for an entire human to be formed. There's loads of different bits that have to happen exactly at the right time and in the right way. And, um, you know, that was part of how we explained the sadness and the difficulty of that time. And so it's been now reframing it of, look, isn't it exciting and amazing that, uh, you know, this baby is growing and developing and we want to keep talking to God about uh, our hopes and dreams and plans for this baby. It's your brother or sister, it's your sibling as much as it's our son or daughter um, and kind of including them in that process. Mm. So I think, um, I mean, that leads me on to creating windows, which is just, I think, doing lots of sharing how what you're thinking and feeling um, and modelling that it's okay to think or feel anything that you like. Um, particularly, as I say, in that context, uh, there's been quite a lot of anxiety around around this pregnancy and around this baby too. And, and just being honest about that, of it's not always straightforward. Um, and it's okay to say to God, I'm feeling a bit worried about this, or can you show me a Bible verse to encourage me or whatever it might be. Mm. Um I think that's helpful. And the, you know, with chat and catch, just we've just added some prompts in about the baby. So as much as we've been telling God about our favorite TV programs and the person who's annoying us at school, uh, we've also been telling God what we're excited about for the new baby coming and what we're worried about and all those kind of things. So yeah, I know they have been really helpful. But I'd love to hear from you now, because you've done this some different ways. Um, it's obviously quite a different context when you're preparing to adopt. I'd love to hear what you did differently in kind of that preparation process and, and particularly some things that are helpful for people who are preparing to adopt or who have friends and family who are. Yeah, so some of what you say obviously kind of fits as well, you know, in terms of sort of creating windows into our emotions and um, kind of, uh, it, you know, how we feel about this and kind of, you know, it's okay to be honest with each other. It's okay to be honest with God. He knows anyway. Um, but I guess the framing is is a bit different. So when my uh, when my kids were very young and we were sort of thinking of adoption, um, it was my my daughter had a, a massive kind of doll slash baby phase when she was about two to five, those kinds of ages. And she absolutely adored playing with dolls. Um, she would pretend to breastfeed them. She would literally like lift her top up in the middle of a toddler group, <laughs> inspired by all the breastfeeding moms she saw. Um, and, you know, she had a baby sling for this baby, it went everywhere with her. She was very, very maternal. And um, then she got into randomly multiple births. Like she was obsessed with multiple births. And she was always asking me at the age of about three, 
to show her pictures of mummies with four babies in their tummy or whatever. So I'd be Googling, you know, <laughs> quadruplet pregnancies. It was quite bizarre. Um, so she was very switched on from a young age about babies. And she would ask, you know, you're going to have a baby. Um, and so even from that early stage, even really before we'd started the adoption process, it was using those opportunities to say, well, you know, this is what we think God might be saying to us as a family. Um, we think God might be asking us to look after or parent a child whose own like tummy mummy can't keep them safe and warm. That kind of language. We were using that very simple language and and kind of young kids because they haven't had a big experience of the world, they tend to just kind of accept things. And so they just like shrug their shoulders and be like, yeah, cool, fine, you know, whatever. They didn't ever know any different. They didn't know things could be any different. Um, so then when we started the adoption process, it was really about involving them as much as possible because most of our social worker meetings happened when they were at school and preschool. So they weren't really part of what was going on. And obviously they didn't see my tummy get bigger week by week as they would have done if I had been pregnant. So we tried to keep them in the loop as much as possible. The social worker did meet them as part of the process. If you if you go through adoption and you have a birth child, they will want to meet them at some point and have a little bit of time just with them without you being present, just to kind of chat informally about how they're how they're doing. Um, and then when we got approved, we all went out for tea together. Again, that was just something that was really me and my husband. We went along to the panel uh, while, again, while my, my children, our children were at school, our existing children. And so they weren't part of that. But then when they came back from school, we shared the good news. We all went out for a celebratory tea together. And that just felt like, you know, it's some way that we could involve them in that. And then closer to the time when um, we were approaching matching panel and we um, kind of had more certainty of who would be joining our family, they chose gifts for their new baby brothers and they got involved in preparing the room and, and that kind of thing. And we did things like um, buy photo toys uh, where we could put photos that there were these like little kind of butterfly things that we got on Amazon. And if you lifted the wings, there were photos, there were four spaces. So I did one, my husband and both of our birth children did one and you could record your voice saying you know hello I'm so and so and I'm your new sister or I'm your new mummy or whatever um, and we sent those in advance so they were involved in all those kinds of things uh, that 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 happened um because yeah because, because we we had to work a bit harder I suppose to involve them because the process otherwise could have been just about me and Al and not them so we just had mm. to kind of think a bit harder about how do we get them involved when they're not actually you know, coming along to social worker meetings with us and doing all that. Yeah. And I love that because there's some really creative things there of, uh, you know, creating a window of framing for them when they weren't there, but also just some really super practical things. I love that idea with the photo toy. That's brilliant. And I know you worked really hard to kind of prep the wider community around you too. It wasn't just about your birth children. Mm. Um, you kind of thought a bit broader about your support network and the people you're going to come into contact with. Can you just share a little bit about how you did that and why you did it? Why was it necessary? Yeah, so rightly or wrongly, I was hyper-conscious that adoption can be a taboo subject. I think less so now than maybe it was when we adopted. But it's it's not the norm, and it's certainly not the norm if you have birth children already, certainly not in the secular world. In, in the Christian world, yes, we know a lot of blended families. In the secular world, not always, but often adoption is, is a possible route um, if, if 
you know, for whatever reason, having children naturally doesn't happen. Uh, for Christians, it's it's that, and it's also a conscious choice. So it's it's yeah. In in the world, it's it just some, kind of seems a bit odd. And I was, you know, maybe it doesn't. <laughs> maybe I got this wrong. But as I, say, I was very kind of sensitive to the fact that it might be seen as a bit weird. And what I didn't want was everybody else on the school playground kind of whispering about our family. And again, probably overhyped this. I'm sure they wouldn't. But we were still quite new to the school. I don't care what other families think of our family, but I didn't want to make life difficult for our children going into school every day and people not quite knowing where why I suddenly had a, a double buggy <laughs> with twin boys. Like, where have these boys come from? Whose are they? Are they ours? Are they staying? Are they going? Whatever. So I just wanted to prep our community really, really well so that there were no taboos. So people knew they could be open with us. They could ask questions. They could be honest. So I did a few things and um, I asked school, our school have always been incredibly supportive. Um, I asked them if I could actually go in and speak with my son's class. He was in year one at the time and they gathered the whole of year one and they had me in to share about what would be happening to our family over the next few weeks. And that was great. And they had loads of questions, as you can imagine. Five and six year olds are very interested in everything. So that was that was a good experience. And that just ensured that all my son's classmates knew exactly what was going on in our family. We were being upfront about it. There was no sort of dishonesty. There was no secrecy. They knew exactly what was going on. And they knew that we were OK in talking about it. There wasn't like some kind of weird secret. We also prepped our children's friends. I made a little booklet with photos of our family and explained in child friendly language what would be happening to our family, in our family over the next few weeks, including some pictures, including some things that our children's friends could relate to. And I made about 30 copies and I gave them out to all my children's friends or my friends who had children the same age as well, just so that our community had something they could share with their children. And I got a lot of really good feedback from my friends about that because I, I guess what I didn't want to do was sort of leave all that explaining to our friends because it's it's all very well you adopting and you go through the process and you're in adoption circles and you're learning the right language to use and all this kind of thing. But to expect that my friends and my family would also be able to answer all their children's questions, would also have the right language, would also know how to frame it for their children. That was that seemed a big ask. So really, this was a resource to help them answer questions, help them explain to their children what was going on and kind of set that language right from the start. And then the other thing we did was with um, our grand, uh, our children's grandparents, so our parents, my parents, my husband's parents, and our siblings, our children's aunts and uncles, we sent them a little book, very thin little book called Related by Adoption, uh, which is a really great book for anyone who is welcoming an adopted child into their family that's not actually theirs, but is going to be close to them. So we sent that book to those families. Some of them read it. <laughs> and actually my parents and Al's parents both came on a Related by Adoption course that our local authority ran. Not all uh, local authorities run such a course and not everybody is eligible to go on it. I've actually written a course called Adoption Cheerleaders for people who don't have access to a course like that because I think it is really, really important, really, really key that your community around you are supportive if you're adopting. So... Yeah, so so that's what we did. We prepped the community, the school community. We prepped our children's friends and we we prepped our family as well. But, I mean, community is just so important, isn't it? <laughs> like, whether you're adopting, whether you're having birth children, um, 
I'm sure you can relate to that as well. It's it's not just kind of us who need community, but surely you've kind of seen the the benefit of involving your community as well and your family. Oh, absolutely. But I think sometimes with birth children, people are a bit more, because it's a bit more common, people are a bit more used to that. They're, they know some of the ways to step up and help. Mm. And, and what you've done is really equipped people to help you, which is brilliant. But yeah, I think we see that in the Bible, don't we? You know, we're not meant to parent alone. We've got mm. God right there with us. But also he puts us in families, he puts us in communities, he puts us in churches. And I think my biggest tip, my biggest advice to anyone who is preparing to have a new family member at the moment is just to ask and accept help from others. And you can play this back to me in a couple of months, Lucy. I'll force <laughs> <laughs> you to I... take the help you're being offered. <laughs> yeah, because I think it's just so it's so tempting to be independent, isn't it? Particularly if you've done it before. Um, but actually, that one of the most powerful things we can do is talk to God, be really honest with him in those middle of the night, like this baby is screaming and I don't know what to do with it. Um, but also to say yes to everyone who offers to help in your church community and your extended family have really specific things that they can do. You know, the classic thing people say is let me know if you need anything. Well, that's actually really hard but if you've got a list of actually yeah here's a meal rotor and it'd be great if you could sign up or mm. what I could really do with is someone to help me at meal times or help me get on top of the washing once a week or whatever it is yeah. so just be really specific and um and let God guide you in that as well I find I find it really tricky to ask for help but yeah. actually when I'm honest with God he's quite good at nudging me and saying yeah no, this is the one. I'll send I'll send you someone and then you just have to say yes I guess one, I was just going to say on that kind of slightly easier way of doing it is when somebody offers help, set up a little WhatsApp group just with your name in it and saying help or support or whatever. Whenever anyone offers help, just say to them, would you like to be part of this WhatsApp group? And I'll send out some requests if I have them kind of thing. And then you have a little group of people. And then when you're sending out a request, it doesn't feel quite so hard because you're not directing your request at one person <laughs> I personally find that a bit easier because I'm a bit of a wuss when it comes to asking for help but I don't mind sending a request to a group because I, then I know that individuals in that group aren't feeling like it's all on them if that makes sense yeah that's super helpful and also you know it's easier for them to say no or not step mm. up if actually that doesn't work for them yeah and we do that for prayer requests as well actually each of my kids has a has a prayer whatsapp group and it's just a couple of friends so I've asked them would you mind sometimes it's really hard and I just need someone to pray and not feel awkward about asking mm -hmm. um and yeah that's been really helpful but what what would your top advice be so that's my big thing <laughs> is about asking for help and accepting it what would be uh your top advice for people preparing to adopt yeah I'm gonna steal your tip because <laughs> I think that's just such a good tip for everybody however you're adding to your family and um, I think specifically to do with adoption I would say be open with people be prepared to answer questions and invite honesty in your community because I honestly think the worst thing you can do is hide away and maybe it doesn't feel like that when you first adopt but a few years down the line when you might be struggling with um, you know behaviors that are based on early life trauma you might be struggling with diagnoses and uh, additional needs and all kinds of different things it becomes very easy to be be isolated from your church and your community around you and even to some extent your family um so we we really do need to do what we can to keep our communities around us in those early stages uh, I remember actually quite soon after our boys came home a parent uh, a school parent a, a friend of mine on the school gate 
said to me, uh, are they going to call you mum? Now, my instinct could be to take offence at that. You know, that's highly offensive, isn't it? <laughs> After all you've been through to adopt your child and all the legal stuff and all the social worker visits and all the home checks, everything that you go through. And then obviously everything you're going to go through from now on, you know, you're going to be doing everything for this child and then hopefully leading them into independence and adulthood. You'll still be supporting them in adulthood. There's so much going on, isn't there, in parenting? And the idea that my boys would not call me mum <laughs> when I was fulfilling that role, that could be quite offensive. But taking offence doesn't do anyone any favours. You know, I just had to answer that question honestly and openly because you know, other people, the fact that other people have come to you and asked is a, is a great thing. You know, they don't don't kind of berate somebody for their lack of education about a particular topic like adoption. You know, use it, use their questions as an opportunity to be part of that education. So, yeah, that's my number one tip. Be honest, invite questions, be open, doesn't do any favours to take offense or to shut yourself off uh, from others so as much as you can um yeah invite honesty would be my tip fantastic lucy it's been great talking to you we are so excited about next year and all that's going to happen with parenting for faith <laughs> and there uh, yeah we will we'll let you know when uh, my new baby arrives as Yay. well looking forward to it can't wait it's going to be a good year for everyone Long-time listeners will know that we like to end our podcast with a question that you can ask your kid to start an interesting conversation. The question this week is, what do you think Jesus would have been like as a big brother? So uh, we know from the Gospels, it suggests that Mary and Joseph had four boys after him and at least two girls. Uh, we're not sure how many and we don't have their names either. But I wonder what Jesus would have been like as a big brother. Have a great conversation. We are going to be back next week with episode 12, uh, where we are talking about the, what to do if you are getting a divorce or someone in your friends or family, that's something that's going on in their life, separation, relationship difficulties, divorce. Uh, please listen in, even if that's not something that's relevant to you right now. You never know when it might help out a friend. See you next week. Bye. Bye.